Okay, so now we've got the first slide up. Um, maybe if Omar and Jane, could you tell me that, uh, do you see the screen okay? And is the sound coming across all right? Yeah, it's perfect. It's good. Okay, good. We're, so we're on our way. So let's start with a poem, but the general, the theme that we'll be looking at is this special face. And Ibn Arabi again kind of just drops this throughout the, the Futuhat, you know, the special face that every being has. And so uh, there's no place where he, in a sense, sits down and tells us all about the special face, but it's something that he refers to very, very often. Um, and so we'll look at this special face, what it, what it means. And one of the places to start is the idea that the special face is a place where you have direct interaction with the divine. And so the special face is where the Quran and the Injil and the Torah um, and the folios, all of them were revealed in the special face that each of the beings have. So we'll look at this one place called the Hadrat of Taqdis, the presence of sanctity or holiness or something like that. And he has his poem, which goes, To the Qudus, I pushed hard my conveyor to be nearer by zakat and tahur. So this is to the Qudus, so that's to the, the holy one or to the sanctified place, this, this separate place, this holy apart place. I pushed hard my conveyor. So the conveyor then is the body. So I pushed hard my body to get closer to this sanctified place. To be nearer by zakat and tahur. So zakat is the charity, and charity is a purification of the soul. It, it purifies us. It makes us clearer. And we'll just and and by giving uh, and seeing that God is giving through us, uh, we purify ourselves. We begin to separate what I do from what God does. And then tahur is this kind of purity which is um, it's part cleanliness is part of it but then there's another aspect which is pushing you away from one place and going to another place of, of holiness by the all-encompassing throne the arshil muhit and his two occupants the two feet by the imperative that's the kun fayakun be and it is by the imperative the elevated of all commands so of all the commands, the B is the one that is elevated. Indeed, the Quds has no equal. So this name and this idea of, of holiness has no equal. By him, he made me alive for him, and by him is my resurrection. Indeed, the true has nothing concealed by him, and the origination of the true is in us, is in the chests. So the Quds, the name Qudus, uh, doesn't conceal anything of the true. So in other words, it's an unveiler. It doesn't let anything be concealed of the true. And this origination is Sadr, that the true has in us, is in the chest, in the Sudur. So if you look down there, we have Sadr and Sudur. And Sadr is the chest or what fronts, what comes first, or what hits you first is the chest, what faces you. And the prow of a ship is called a sadr, 
and the tip of an arrow is called a sudder. So the first thing that the arrow hits, that's its sudder is hitting. And the first place the prow of the ship is pushing through is the sudder. And you will notice my chop in the corner there. Um, and now I'm kind of understanding why I made that chop a few years ago. Um, it's becoming more and more clear why this is such a, an evocative image. Uh, it's the first thing that comes. And you see this in my chop down there, this chest is just coming out. And so you have this vision of this chest uh, reaching out to be the first one to be touched, the first one to find, the first one to discover. And then discovery too, you get on a ship and you go places you've never seen before. So uh, this, this imagery is, is coming up very, very nicely, I think. <laughs> and let's look at this, let's keep developing this. And then of course, last week we talked about thankfulness and we had this, uh, this very clear uh, instruction for us. God revealed to Moses, thank me with the rightfully deserved thanks. Moses, peace be upon him, said, and who could do that, O cherisher? He said to him, when you see the blessing as from me, you have thanked me. So Moses is, is in a position of helping us understand that, of course, when, when, if God tells me to be more thankful, I think about how can I you know, quantifiably uh, increase the amount of thanks? So would that be more numbers of thankfulness? Would it be more intensity of thankfulness? And the answer comes as, when you see the blessing as coming from me, you have thanked me. So it is a qualitative difference from what I thought thankfulness might have been. It's, do I see that God gave this and therefore I'm thankful for it? So Ibn Arabi expands on this in this particular uh, chapter. So whoever sees the blessing as coming only from who has thanked who with the rightfully deserved thanks. You have not seen the blessing coming from the ropes, the means, which he let fall like a curtain between you and who, at the moment, the blessings follow along. So this, the ropes and the means, that's sabab in Arabic, S-A-B-A-B. And the ropes is when you, when you have a bucket in the well and you use the rope to pull the bucket up. So the cause of the bucket being raised from the bottom of the well upwards is the rope, the cause. The means for getting the bucket to come to the top is the rope, is the cause, uh, is the sabab. And so this ropes is the same rope that we saw earlier. That, um, what did we see with the earlier ropes? Oh, we haven't even read that part yet. Let's back up again and, and go at it one more time. So right after the poem over there, so learn that God, when he created the causes, so these are the ropes, how things get done, and made them visible to his creatures, and he made the things caused to be with, and that's parallel to them, so that there's causes and then there's things doing, going on, and that's a parallel or with action. The observers imagine that the caused things were created by the causes. So we think when the well, the bucket from the well is coming up, we think that the rope is causing the bucket of water to come up. This is what leads creation astray from the path of guidance and knowledge. 
So the path of guidance is to be guided to the path where we know that God does. And knowledge is knowing that God does. And that's thankfulness that everything is coming from God. And veils them from the special face which God has in every being. <clears throat> so this special face that God has in every being, we're looking at the special face. What gets veiled, how this special face gets veiled, is when we do not see the cause things as being parallel to what God does. And we don't therefore thank the one who does these things. That is the cherisher who's making these things happen. Then <clears throat> learn that there are words called incomplete pronouns. And they are, or this is, the one which, the one who, the one which, the one who, and elavi, ma, man, all of these words, and the siblings of these pronouns. So all of these words are pronouns. They take the place of the noun or the name. In fact, what they name is the cause by which God is veiled from his creation. So when I say the one who, the one which, this is something that is veiling me from who's actually doing it because I haven't given the name. I just said the one which. So in fact, what they name is the cause by which God is veiled from his creation with his creation of these caused things. Therefore, who is the Qudus? So Qudus is the one that separates and puts apart, wholly apart two things. One says, this is the, these are the things that cause, and this is God. And Qudus says, it's God, and it separates this for us. Therefore, who is the Qudus? That is, the purifier, being purified from any correlation of the incomplete names to who. So that the Qudus is a purification for who to remove all of the names which uh, are veils to creation. There is no God but who, the inaccessible, the wise. So now we can look back at that, uh, what Moses has taught about thankfulness. So whoever sees the blessing as coming only from who, has thanked who with the rightfully deserved thanks. You have not seen the blessing coming from the ropes, the causes, which he let fall like a curtain between you and who, at the moment the blessings follow along. So irdaf, this word irdaf is, it's a very, uh, it's the imagery of when you get on a horse or a camel or whatever, and someone jumps on behind you, someone's riding right behind you. So that person who's riding right behind you is irdaf, is, been, is following you, riding right along behind you. So what Ibn Arabi is using with this imagery is that there's the who writing and doing things, and then the causes jump on the back and say, here I am, and they kind of grab around the middle and say, here they are riding along with you. So from our perspective, we look at all of these things happening. We think the person in the back, uh, the causes in the back is the rider, is the one that's doing things. And we forget that the one who's doing all of this is the one who is driving this. So you see, blessings are things only coming into being from who, based on the special face which every being has. So the blessings come from who, and this is based on the special face which every being has. Okay, let's look at our next slide. Well, let's see how this, okay, here we go. 
So, this one. so we looked at this uh, one of these this this picture here um, for our for Leilatul Qadr for the night of power, and we were uh, I was we were talking a lot about Earth and Mother Earth. So this is why I brought this one up. So this one you've heard before. Um, we've, we've, I've, I keep using, I keep coming back to it. Um, I think Andrea's here, she, we saw this in, in uh, San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, I think we saw it in Oxford, Jane and others. Um, but it's the, uh, it's, it's Ibn Arabi's way of, of helping us see what it means to, what the mystic guide, what the Arafin, what the people who really know, what they do. They emulate their mother. And this means emulating their mother, but also emulating their mother earth. So the, the big mother and the, and the little mother, both mothers. And so Ibn Arabi, and of course their mother earth is also dunya, which as you might know in, in mystic texts especially is, is, is um, often denigrated that, oh, this is just dunya, this is just this world. Um, and yet uh, Ibn Arabi is coming to the, to the aid of this world and he's coming to the aid of the mother and he's coming aid to the mother earth in this passage. It's a long passage, but we'll just look at this right here. <clears throat> so this one, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, has described her with the most beautiful of qualities and he has considered her to be a location for all good things. Therefore, it is appropriate for the people of watchful awareness that their commencement into the entrance of this world be for acquiring this quality, and they shall study carefully the states of their mother. So upon the entrance of the world, of, into the world from the womb, the child looks back at the mother and emulates her. Um, and as when we come out of our clay bodies, we're in our clay bodies and come out into the surface of the earth, uh, we are looking back to the earth. So our primary instruction is from Mother Earth. And this, the reason I keep coming to this picture, I, you know, I did want to have a, a Virgin Mary picture, but many of them have uh, the baby not looking at, uh, at her. Uh, this one very clearly that uh, when he comes out, he turns around and looks at his mother. And we have, uh, then also in the Quran, we have that Muhammad sallallahu is called the mother-based prophet, and Nabi al-Ummi. So the mother-based prophet. And Ummi is the one who's based on his mother. It's one who is as he was when he, when he exited from the womb of his mother. And so it later takes the connotations of, you know, being, you can't write and read or something because those are all acquired knowledges. And that's not very, it's not necessarily the, the most helpful way to look at them. What I've found the most helpful way is look at is mother-based. And that is this look back towards the mother and see the mother and see mother earth and be directly with a special face that God has in every, every created being and be with that special face. So this, we have that confronting and fronting, uh, getting the chest out front, that image that we had in, um, in the earlier slide. And this, this imagery will come back out here. Indeed, messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bared himself and peeled off his shirt 
and said when he faced the rain so that it struck him, it is new, fresh from its cherisher. So it is new, fresh from its cherisher. So this desire and to open up and be the, to front and be, have hit you first, what is fresh and new from its cherisher. Ibn Arabi has a, uh, has a verse which says, this is the key text, radiant and clear, which comes from the revelation about the rain near to the cherisher. So then he, he's going to expand on this now. Thus, every first in the universe, it is new, fresh, recent from its cherisher. And everything in the universe is a first because it is a thing. So it is in its being new, fresh from its cherisher. Okay, so this is where all the where firsts come in. Um, uh, I met one of you at the, at the Zenith bookstore and I remember that first meeting was so impressionable. It made such an impression that to this day, when I have time together with that person, I'm almost like simply looking into what happened on that first meeting. And so these first meetings are very crucial. So think back in your life, think that you've seen first, and it's the first time you've seen it, the first impression, and you could call it first love, all of these. Um, and it's something that is so powerful. Years later, you can go back to that same place and be able to mine and extract even more meaning from that. That's because the first things are from the special face. You see, he said to it be. Therefore, the universe, all of him, is a world of the imperative. So this is the world of the imperative, that be and it is directly. Whether or not it is part of the world of the creative process. So we have, Ibn Arabi talks about two different worlds, the world of command and the world of creative process. So halq in Arabic is, a, is at least two things. It's not, it's a twofold process. It's a creative process. And halq is the image of you take the cloth, the cloth or the hide and you measure it out and then you cut it. Or you measure out the cloth and then you sew it together. So it's a process. So creation halq is not a one-time thing. It's a process. But you see, it's a process that takes ropes or causes. It involves different causes. And process makes us forget that actually everything is coming from command, be and it is. So when we see processes, we are veiled from the special face. We are veiled from the freshness, the newness. We have clarified for you what the world of the imperative and the creative process is. So it is the special face, which is in the world of the creative process. So even the creative process where you do different things to make things happen, like you measure out the cloth and then you cut along the cloth and then you sew it together. Even in that creative process, uh, there's a, there is a special face, which is the first that happens. And not one of the experts of Nazar, so that's science or examination or, or study, not one of the experts of Nazar stumble upon it. So this is his imagery of where, whoa, whoa, they don't even stumble upon it, even though, even though they're looking for it. Concerning divine knowledge, only the family of God find it as a tasting. Between the infant and the perception of his nearness to God, no obstruction intervenes. 
because the infant's distance from the world of the elements in his creation. So the, the infant is newly arriving, fresh, fresh from its cherisher. And the infant is not, does not have the huge baggage and veils of all of these processes, these elements that have, that have come together and made this, and then that made that, and then made that. Jesus did not come from an elemental father. He was a spirit of God, and his word cast to Mary. There was nothing then to hide him from the one he originated from. So now we got originated, that sadr, sadur, in the chest. There was nothing to hide him from the one he originated from, because he came from not from an elemental father, but from spirit of God, and the word cast to Mary. So earth. He articulated in the cradle to a group meaning during the state of suckling. I have seen something, and then in one of the places, Ibn Arabi goes into detail about how these developments take place, how the fetal development takes place, and he, he begins to think about, well, what age was Jesus in the womb? Because he had to come out with vocal cords developed and all sorts of things had to be in place for him to say these things from the cradle, or from the, and it's not really a cradle, it's probably just a little, flat area on the earth <laughs> but uh yeah and so ibn Abi is thinking about what kinds of things must have happened and what state of development uh, the body of jesus was in uh, when he was born so he says that so jesus is speaking from the cradle or from this from just after being born so i have seen something more tremendous than that i have seen someone speaking in the belly of his mother to convey something obligatory. And that is where his mo mother sneezed. So when someone sneezes, they say, Alhamdulillah, and then the, the audience says, bless you. And that is where his mother sneezed while she was pregnant with him. So he praised God, he said, Alhamdulillah, and said to her from her belly, God bless you, with an utterance the ones present heard. And something related to this discussion, my daughter Zainab, I asked her as a joke for her uh, when she was at the suckling age. Her age at that time was a year or nearly so. I asked her in the presence of her mother and her grandmother, child, what do you argue about the man who has sex with his wife and no fluid descends? It's a very standard thick uh, legal question. So then she startles everyone and says, obligatory on him is ghusl. That, and that's another standard. Uh, fiqh answer. The ones present were astonished by that. I was apart from this daughter in that year when I left her with her mother and I was absent from her. I gave leave to her mother for the pilgrimage in that year and I myself proceeded along the Iraqi route to Mecca. When I came to the halt of Arafat, I left the group with me seeking my family in the caravan from Sham, from Syria. She saw me while she was sucking at the breasts of her mother. She said, Oh, mother, oh, my mother, here he is. My father has come. The mother looked and looked until she saw me in front at a distance. So in front, Sadr. She was saying, Here is my father, here is my father. Her maternal uncle called out to me and I approached. And as soon as she saw me, she started laughing and she threw herself against me. She began to say to me, My father, my father. This example and ones like it are part of the subject of this chapter. So that is being fresh from the Lord. So infants, and now let's look at the beasts. And 
So Ibn Arabi says here, learn, may God assist you and assist us and you, because that's the style. You, you first ask for yourself, and then you ask for the next, your neighbor. So learn, may God assist us and you, that the beasts are a mother community among all the communities. They have tasbihat, they have tasbih, specific to each species, and a prayer, a salat, and a prayer like other created beings has. And uh, we were talking in Oxford about the Ru'al Quds, and uh, uh, Ibn Arabi talks about uh, trying to learn the salat of the horses and having a hard time with that, and the horse is laughing at him, except for one. And he exalted, said, have you not seen that it is God whose praises all beings in the skies and the earth celebrate and the birds with wings outspread? And he says in Quran, your cherisher inspired revelation to the bees, saying, choose your houses in the hills and in the trees and trellises, then eat of all fruits and travel along the ways of your cherisher. These subul, these ways, are what God made a way to the water, a sharia, for them, ways along which they travel. And then Quran, the verse finishes, made tractable. Thus, everything, all the created beings, has a speaking specific to him that God taught him. And they hear it, whoever God has opened up their ears to understand. If it is asked from where do you know this, when it is not part of sensory perception, so you can't see these things. So there remains only the nazar. If you can't see it, you must have to use your brain. And he says, we respond, it is not as you say. No, there doesn't remain just the brain. There remains inspiration and divine notification. The articulate soul casts this from her cherisher as kashf, as a discovery, and as a tasting, based on the special faith which she has and which every being has. As for Messenger of God, he cites in the authentic collection, indeed, there was a cow in the time of the children of Israel, her owner had loaded her, put a load on top of her. She said, I was not created for this. Instead, I was created for tilling. The companions asked, in contemporary then, did a cow speak? Messenger of God, some said, I have faith in this. I and Abu Bakr and Omar. This was because the peaceful spirit reported it. If he had seen it with his own eyes, he would not have said, I have faith. This cow, part of the kinds of animals, knew what she was created for. But the human and the jinn are created to worship God, but they know this only by being so notified by God upon the tongue of his messenger. And learn that the beasts, even if they are subjugated, brought low for the human being, do not forget that you are subjugated to them in what you set up to look after, set up to, in order to look after their betterment, in bringing them water, feeding them, and doing what improves their condition, such as cleaning out their places and removing their filth and manure, all for this, their sakes, and protecting them from heat and cold, annoying them. This and others is given that the truth subjugated you to them, and he made in yourself a need for them. They are the ones who carry your load to a land you can never reach, except half dead, with great trouble, these are reflecting from Quran. That is, you could not reach there except through fantasy and imagination, not physically, only by the intermediation of these rides. So there is no excellence you have over them through subjugation, because God made you need them more than they need you. How much God and his messenger have explained to us what the created beings are square against, their knowledge of God, so these are the beasts especially, their knowledge of God and obedience to him and standing up for his right. But we, we humans, we have no faith, and we do not hear and obey. 
and we make interpretations which are not as the matter truly is in order for us to be faithful people. That is, we make all these interpretations about what's happening with the beasts and their intelligence in order so that we can, well, I cannot believe it, I guess, as faith, even though we can't really believe it. But we are, in truth, liars, and we prefer to rely on our senses over faith in what our Lord has taught us, given that we do not witness this with an eyewitness. So because we cannot witness it, our Lord teaches it to us in and we accept it through faith. So this subjugation is very crucial because uh, and Ibn Arabi uh, looks at some of this, but I think it's something that I've found to be very insightful is look at this at subject subjugated relationships. And one of the aspects of it, one of the negative aspects is that the ones that that I have great need of who are subjugated to me, I because I have great need of them, uh, there can be an anger in that. So some of the violence that we see in relationships, both relationships, human relationships, and then relationships with minerals, Mother Earth, plants on Mother Earth, uh, animals, this can be a, a, a that can be an abusive or violent relationship because the one who needs them uh, doesn't want to need them, wants to be God, wants to be, I don't need anything. So there's something to be looking at. And also it's something to look at uh, in Ibn Arabi's time for, and for most of human history, uh, minerals, plants, and animals were very close to humans. And so you had a ride, you, had, you got milk from them, you got uh, plants, you ate them for food, all of these things. And now we're, of course, very much separated and alienated from all of that process. And so it's, there's also a question to bring into this to look at this idea of subjugation, look at it in sort of our, in the, in the terms of our situations. So learn that whoever knows that the creative beings, all of them, each of them, are living, articulate, or animated and articulated, they are called minerals, plants, or dead bodies. You see, there's nothing but it is celebrating its cherisher with his praise. And doing so can only mean that the one so described is living. So Ibn Arabi says, uh, once you accept that, uh, that everything is praising its creator, as the Quran tells us that we take by faith, then you must accept that everything is articulate, and otherwise it couldn't be praising and is intelligent, otherwise it wouldn't know what it's doing, and it's alive, otherwise it wouldn't be able to do all of these things. So everything is alive, articulate, and intelligent. And so I just, you know, as we go out, uh, look at every mineral and know that it's alive, articulate, and intelligent. Look at the plants, know that they are alive, articulate, and intelligent. Look at animals, know that they are alive, articulate, and intelligent. And this is the, one of our paths towards reaching the special faith which every being has. Okay. So if I could ask uh, Baki to sing the, uh, an Elahi right now. Um, should, we'll sing this Elahi, and then uh, we'll wrap up everything with this, this last page here, this last slide. So Bismillah. <coughs> Give a beauty, 
Thank you. This is the, the special face that every created being has. So in, in all of these other areas of that Ibn Arabi talks about all these special people, he talks about special letters and special people and special beings and uh, every, and there are this many doing this and there are that many doing that and these are their qualities and all of that. Um, and it can be a little bit, well, yeah. uh, most of us, I certainly don't fit in any of those categories. So then he has, then, then this is the category I fit in, we all fit into, that's the separate, that's this, we're not separate from the special face that is in all of us. So the special face is the one that with thankfulness, we directly see that God is giving. And so um, thankfulness as saying, it's God who does. And 
removing the veils of this happened and this happened and this happens and then that happens. We remove those veils, we get to the special face. We front the special face, we get close by fronting it and it's fresh and it's the first. It's what we knew as infants then forgot, it's what infants know, it's what uh, the animals know, it's what plants know, minerals know. And it's what the mother-based prophet, what he knew. Now, I put into this area here, Ibn Arabi does say that, that these things are not sensory. You can't see these things. But he does suggest that, uh, that they are almost visible. And so for almost visible in Ibn Arabi's time means microscopic in our time. So these are microscopic. These are things that we can see. Um, and so I'll, let me re read these passages as ways to encourage us to see that the world and everything in the world is alive and intelligent and articulating the praise of its cherisher. But you should learn that in bread and water and in all food and drinks and clothes and sitting places. So if you think about bacteria, for instance, sitting places, you know, where, where, where you sit and clothes are fine spirits, strange, who are the inner secret of your life and your knowledge and your praise of your cherisher. So he's saying that these tiny spirits, these tiny creatures, are the inner secret of your life. It tells you how you look at the world. And if you think about gut bacteria, how your gut bacteria is working, your gut biome is working, tells you who you are, how you see the world. Are you pessimistic? Are you optimistic? And your knowledge and your praise of your cherisher. So it tells something about our physical well-being, our mental well-being in a sense and then our spiritual well-being so physical mental spiritual effect of these fine spirits and raising your station in the presence of your vision of your creator on the dune during the visit and then in the future there'll be the situation where the presence will be raised on the dune during that visit these spirits have a sacred trust with these physical forms which they fulfill to this guardian spirit consigned in gossamer, so very almost invisible. Can you see one of these spirits, how he carries out his trust to him who is the secret of life? When he conveys his secret trust to the inner secret, he expels either from the direction something came in from, and it is called belching and vomiting, or from another direction, and it is called defecation and urination. So this is the, the gut biome, of uh, 800 years before kind of we started talking about it as the as this biome as this life and then the other place and this i'm waiting for ali rahman and nora over there to give me more information about now the most visible of the subtle matters is that he made your body to be possessing of pores and he surrounded you with the air which is the matter of natural life because it is hot wet in essence and he made in you an attractive force. So there is attracted during the moment of your lacking the conventional ropes, the means, the air from your pores. So thereby your body is nourished while you are unaware. And we have learned that among the Hasharat, these tiny living beings, there is one who is your nourishment based on the pores of your body, who are attracting wetness, humidity, according to a particular balance, which is your preservation, without excess and not wasting. 
So these are insights that help us see that the world is a living place and help us see our interaction with this world as a living place, as an intelligent place. And so with keep, keeping with the beasts, learn may God assist us and you that the beasts are a mother community among all the communities. They have tespihat and they have a prayer and a prayer like other creative beings have. As for their prayer, they have a special intimate conversation with the true. Have you not seen that it is God whose praises all being in the skies and the earth celebrate and the birds with wings outspread? And he says, your cherisher inspired revelation to the bees, saying, choose your houses in the hills and in the trees and trellises, the need of all fruits and travel along the ways of your cherisher. These ways are what God made a way to the water for them, ways along which they travel and made tractable. Thus, everything, all the created beings, has a speaking specific to him, God taught him, and they hear it, whoever God has opened up their ears to understand. So may our ears be opened up to understand and hear the celebration, the life, and the intelligence that is in the minerals, the plants, and the animals, and the bodies, and everything around us. And so this special face that fronts us, that comes first, uh, this first impression, this first tasting, this first sip, uh, this first one is our place of intimate conversation with the divine. It's where the divine speaks intimately with us and we speak intimately with the divine. Um, we could hear the, um, let me play, play uh, Farida's a beautiful song and uh, let's see if I can get that working. And then any kind of comments, I would love to hear impressions and ideas coming. Good. 
Okay, so best, yeah, so beautiful. Farida, thank you. And Bhakti and Nura, thanks for that. Ilahi. Yeah, this was our, the first session. This, this was probably different from the others. It didn't have too many graphs or uh, sort of ge geometric things going on, except for those who noticed the honeycomb is six. And Ibn Arabi keeps talking about six and the hexagon and that it is the, it is the most efficient space filler and uh, has all sorts of things to say about the six and how the six comes out. And of course the six, which is S-E-X also in Latin, but also the same way in Arabic, the wav, the union. So it's a, a very pregnant, as they would say, uh, metaphor. And so uh, that was oh, <laughs> And so, um, so thank you for, for being here. This is a, a different one, I think, but I would love to hear any, any kind of comments and thoughts people are having. Uh, just thinking yesterday I went out for a walk and we have a big land here. And uh, no matter which direction I go, what side of the, the crest on the hill or mountain I'm, I'm going on, these two hawks, and we, we know them for years now, they come and they'll, they float and they fly, ride the wind right above me for about, about 30 feet above. It's just very close. And then they have the, Zhee! that that beautiful shrill thing that goes on. And so I wave to them and then they wave and then, then they're off. And it's just so, uh, so beautiful to see all those connections. Um, and so, and I know that Omar is very happy to go out into the mountains recently to be able to get those connections. So these are from the, from the, the microbiota, from the gut bacteria, from all of these things, all the way to the greatest and biggest things, uh, alive and intelligent and, and celebrating their Lord. And this connection to them gives us the connection to our special face, that special face that each of us has in the chests. And so we'll be looking for those special face uh, encounters as we go. Alhamdulillah. So. Yes, yes. Could you talk about the, uh, the anger that can come forth towards one that uh, one owes one's life to, like the Mother Earth or to Allah? or even to one's biological mother. Mm -hmm. And I heard you saying I, and I wasn't sure if it was Shweb I or Ibn Arabi in the articulation of that. Yeah, yeah well, Ibn Arabi gives some hints about this, uh, and, that, and that is uh, our relationship to those uh, that, by, first of all, his, his first healing in a sense is to say, you think they're subjugated to you, you are actually subjugated to them. Um, they're the ones who who uh, who don't need you. You need them. And then this, and then it seems to me uh, I've been I've been pulling uh, from from Ibn Arabi's passages the idea that there's that in a sense we did this I think two weeks ago uh, the healing of the of the masculine or the healing of the male and that is the 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 one that Ibn Arabi says if you don't know that your you, the men, so he's now talking strictly to the men or to the males or to the masculine of us. If you do not know that these things that you do come about only by your being a slave to God, then the who, and then he switches to the feminine, will not listen to you, will not, will not listen to you, and will not talk about you. And that's dhakara, 
the, in the Arabic, the zikr, the zakr is the male, and zakara is to mention or talk about. And so one of the definitions of the male in Arabic is the one that is talked about. And so this is saying that if you don't know that you're a slave of God, you men, then you will not be talked about. You will not be seen. You will not be appreciated. And so the way to be seen, talked about, and appreciated is to be a slave of God. So putting all this together, um, it, it does seem that that uh, the the being confronted there's a there's a there's a kind of part of us or a personality of us whether it's gender or something else that is that does not want to recognize how much it we i need that person that plant that meal, whatever and and to deny that i need so much uh it then i've become to think that i'm better than them and so ibn Arabi talks about you think you're better than them you're the one who needs them. That's why the horses run away when they see you. And they know that you're going to harm them. And they know that they don't need you, you need them. And so this, this whole dynamic of needing someone or something and then being violent and um, abusive or denigrating to it, um, seems to me it's, uh, it's something that I think is very pressing for myself and for my in contemporary times. If not, it'd be, puts it out there and I don't think it's uh, it's pressing or or maybe well it is when he says you he does get very angry in this one passage and starts using the second person pronoun again he says you think you're so superior to those animals who you are subjugated to and who you need but they don't need you so he's very angry that you think you're so superior and I take this a little bit maybe differently or farther and say, yeah, and that expresses itself as abuse. And that's it. And that expresses itself that way. Right. But it's something for us all. So this is what uh, in the Ibn Arabi society is called the Akbarian. You get, you get an insight, which is Akbarian, which is Ibn Arabi's insight. And you take that insight and you learn all sorts of things about it into things that are happening around you right now. So. When I walk uh, locally, I, I pick up the trash on Quailview Lane. And um, I would say 90% of the stuff that people throw out the window is, is alcohol. It's, uh, it's shots, straight shots. And I'm thinking, whoa, not just abuse of the mother, but abuse of their own body. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I have a question. It's abuse of the own body, that's right. Yeah, uh, I have a question, Shaib. Um, you, you know, you're saying um, that everything is praising God and as such, like everything is intelligent, everything is articulate. Um, I have always seen it that everything is praising God because we know that praising God and being thankful is the same, which is giving what is due to God to God. So the very existence is back to God and therefore everything is praising God in the sense that in everything there is a sign that shows that he is one and it is being able to recognize that you see everything is praising God. But, but here I hear something more. Here I hear intelligent and articulate. Uh, so it is not just by virtue of their very uh, ontological existence 
that they praise God, which they do by virtue of existing, because they couldn't otherwise. But we're saying intelligent and articulate. So, so is, that, is that right? Even to the minerals, we're saying intelligent and articulate? Right. right. Yeah. This. Yeah. Ibn Arabi talks about when he says when he when he does occasionally when he talks about the articulate. He says, and I'm not speaking about hal. And hal here is like I've been trying to find a way to translate it. It's like circumstantial evidence. So when you see a spider web, you can say the spider web is telling me that it's intelligent because it's sort of showing and saying. And so. To that extent, you, but that's not the articulation that Ibn Arabi is talking about. He's talking about the actual articulation, the way we think of it. And that is, uh, that is particular sounds which are different depending on what is the occasion. And the occasion of praising has its own sound. And so they are making sounds that are, that are articulating their celebration of their Lord. And Ibn Arabi says so that the pebbles in the hand of the Prophet were celebrating their Lord. And it was heard and the companions were there. And so the, the prophet said, I can hear the pebbles celebrating their Lord with articulation. He could hear what they were saying. And then he brought one of the companions there and that companion heard it. And then a second companion came and that companion heard it. And the third companion heard it. He didn't hear it anymore. <laughs> so, so, uh, so this is a very special thing. And Ibn Arabi says he himself has had a situation where the pebbles he could hear them speaking and hear them what they were saying, and um, and so and then we have the the stump that was outside the mosque when they made the minbar that was sobbing like a pregnant camel, and so giving childbirth, and so uh, he came out because he heard the trumpet making these sounds, these sobs, and then consoled her, and so uh, for Ibn Arabi, these this articulation is something that is here, but he calls it uh, mastur, that is hidden. And he says it's hidden for, for reasons. There are reasons why it's hidden. Um, and, uh, and he doesn't go into that in this passage very much, but he does say, so therefore, when you do hear these things, ask whether, ask whether this is your, it's revealed to you to disclose this. Ask whether you are now to say to other people what you've heard. Um, and so he is saying that they're mastur, they're, they're concealed or hidden, and that it, it depends on you getting inspiration that you can speak it or that you could keep it silent. But, if, uh, but in any case, what it does is if you have such a situation, you immediately are at the special face. That is in every one of us. Alhamdulillah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this, this, uh, I've been just coming up, this healing aspect of, of, of Ibn Arabi, and I think I've only found it new, mostly because of uh, being with the, the dervishes like Rahmane and, and Baki and Nora, and after a while, I begin to say, you know, I've, these things are really important, this idea of healing, that how much violence and, and abuse is going on because there's, there, there's a great need for this healing. And uh, so I go back into Ibn Arabi and, and look for those places which can be these healings, so. And, uh, and, and some people, I mean, the nice thing is that the minerals have this too. So even if you're inside your house and you have some minerals around you, and there are people who can hold a rock and that, and that 
rock tells them something and feel, you can feel something. Um, we all know about wood does that. You go out to the trees and hug the trees and things like that. But uh, so well, let's find all those things. And then the sajda, the sajda, when you put your, what is most noble according to you, your brain and your nose in Arabic, when you have your nose up, it's just like in English that you're snobby and all that. And then the brain sitting up there. So we put that part right there, which we think is the greatest, noblest part of us. We put it as low as we can into the surface of the earth. And it is a healing for the earth. And of course it's a healing for us. And that's why the such does there is the reminder, the healing that we bring ourselves back to mother earth and say, this is who I am. So, Good morning, Shoei. Sally. Oh, very good. <laughs> so much. Enjoy so much. Shoei, I have a question. Since about the minerals being articulate, intelligent, and praiseworthy, since they're praiseworthy, so they, when, when they praise, they become praiseworthy as well. So in, in, in other sense, if, if I look around, the house, cell phone, everything around is made out of minerals. So, so the house has a spirit, they all praise him, the cell phone praises everything, our clothing. Is that true? No, yes, yeah, so beautiful, yes. And that's why this, this whole, I want, I want you to look into this. When I see you next, inshallah, we'll talk about pores and how there's this energy around that gets absorbed when you need it and you're unaware of, of needing it and you're unaware of getting it. Um, but that's, that's the, 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 mineral, the mineral world and its life. And Ibn Arabi, you know, he has, he has very beautiful discussions about it. Some of his teachers are minerals. Uh, the rain spout was a mineral, was a, a mineral teacher for him. And, uh, and, and, then, and he keeps talking about the Hadith about that when the bird on the day of judgment, the bird will say, stop that person there, ask him why he killed me for no reason. And then the stone will say, ask me why he moved me for no reason. So we're not to move a stone unless there's a reason, unless there's something good that's coming from it. The stone is perfectly happy where he is. And he is, as Ibn Arabi says, he's the best Muslim because he does exactly what he's told. And so the, the mineral stays where it's put and it's not for us to run around and, and distractedly move stones without any reason, without any thought. So, uh, so to see this, this living world is to become very conscious and then, and then to see the plant and say, the plant has its own life, it has its own desires, it has its own goals in life, um, and yet I'm asking this plant to give me nourishment and to kill it. And so uh, the plant has to say that yeah, I give, I'm, I, I will subjugate myself to you. And so would I eat that plant then without any thought or, without, or carelessly, or would I eat it with gratefulness? That, um, and Ibn Arabi says, luckily, um, all of this world knows what they were created for. And this plant might know that it was created to be eaten at this one point. But all the world knows what it's created for, except the ints and the jinn, except us human beings and the jinn. And we're the ones. So the cow knows what she's created for, and we don't know what we're created for. And he says, so, so we have to ask, uh, we have to be told by our God what we are created for. And then you go, that's even if you're fortunate enough to be someone who's faithful, what about the people who have no idea what they're created for and what havoc is, re is wreaked on the world by us people who don't know why we were created, what we were created for. So.
Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I, because sometimes you have a feeling when you leave your house, you come back, you feel like your house missed you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and he, but once you, yeah, I, I, you know, all sorts of wild things. Ali Rahman would tell you all sorts of wild things will start happening when these things happen. Like, for instance, just I'll talk about the hawks. I was in a place in France, and I was saying, "Are we going to stay in this place or in this place?" And suddenly, a hawk comes down, sits on the road, the road sign, saying, "This place." <laughs> okay, here we go. So, and at that moment. All of these things are there talking to you. And if you're listening, they're telling you what's next, what's the thing to do, what's the special face that's going to be coming out. <laughs> and also, and also with, in friendship among us, isn't that friendship, the essence of friendship is a special, special face that plays? Yeah, that's because and it's where the, the membrane is thin, all the veils are gone, and it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's just like that. And that special face uh, comes through. And that's how I was telling earlier about in the Zenith bookstore when I met someone I can see right now. Uh, just that first impression, that first sight that of friendship and everything that's come since then, all our time together since then, has in a sense been an elaboration of that first sight. So <laughs> we're all celebrating his face, really. He said everything would perish except my face. That's right. And then in Ravi reads it two ways. And he also says its face so that everything will perish except the face that everything has. So okay. it's, oh, so it, 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 he reads it both ways. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for bringing uh, Ibn Arabi's face to us. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. Um, I was thinking about um, when you're talking about animals too, um, can you speak a little bit about cats? Because I came back from Umrah and I, they were just everywhere, Alhamdulillah. And from Jerusalem, they were in the, you know, Masjid Al-Aqsa to Medina to, you know, just how, how what, what is your impression about them? You know, well, Ibn Abi has the one discussion about the, how this cat uh, could know who who someone was, and could, and so the the cat was uh, was able to see. See, I'm I'm just, I'm thinking that Ibn Abi is telling us that that animals see four dimensions, and and we do know that birds have, can see magnetic fields. So if they see a magnetic field, the magnetic field is orthogonal to the world that we see. So it's an unseen dimension. It's, uh, and so to see magnet, magnetic fields is to see things that we don't see, the four dimensions. And so, uh, so they see the whole picture of who someone is. And so Ibn Arabi is, is, is saying that, that when this cat could, that could see this person and know everything about that person. And we do, and, and we do that, for instance, in, in archery, in the bow, the bow tells you, what is happening to you and so i you know i always say oh yeah sure sure but then i go out one day and boom there goes the arrow all the way over there so, yeah i think i'm a kind of unfocused day today <laughs> so the arrow the the boat tells you who you are where you are and what what's happening to you and uh yeah but so the the, the cats are there and then there's that, and then dogs, and dogs, all the shepherds, so the Prophet ﷺ had dogs because as a shepherd, every shepherd has dogs, and they have to learn how to handle and, and work with dogs. And they are very, very different. So it is interesting how cats, in a sense, have become 
very much part of the Muslim world uh, and where dogs not so much where while they used to be very important so yeah this is something to be looking into cats and dogs in Islam <laughs> thank you Eric, um, so Shweb, can I ask you about genetic engineering and ge genetic modification? And how does that fit in with all of this? Because it's we humans who are doing this, but these very basic levels are not of the original. I mean, I just, I, I, yeah, I just, that question came to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still looking at all of that. Um, I started looking at it a year or two ago and uh, still waiting to see, you know, just what, what's happening here, what, what insights Ibnavi will give me about, about this. Um, just, I mean, just one of the, if we look at the other things that we're doing, like insecticide, pesticide, uh, suicide, and these are all, these are all death, 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 death. And uh, there really is something about um, there, and you see this in, 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 in certain groups of people, this, this love of death, this wanting to kill things. And, and, and when you, the moment, as we're talking about, as you go out and hawks start looking at you and, and plants start looking at and, and showing themselves to you, the moment that starts happening, and then you look at how can anyone come out and start, and start destroying all of these things? And what kind of anger at not being God do they feel? And I think it's anger that they're not God. And, and, and to know that instinctively, Sabin Rabi says that, that the Quran says that every arrogant heart is sealed over. And the way Ibn Abi reads that is that sealed over so that it cannot do everything and be completely arrogant and over, overbearing. And this is because of Rahmah of Allah, the kindness and mercy of Allah. So that this heart will enter into a position of receiving the kind mercy of God whenever that kind mercy will come. And so, and so this arrogant, overwhelming, overbearingness, um, people know, Ibn Arabi says, people know that they are slaves. They know that they are nothing and that they, are, they have no uh, lordness in them. They know this, but they don't want to admit it and so there so a lot of these things are ways to hide this essential truth that we all know because they said we think we're so brave we're got a we're like a lion we're like a tiger and then a little flea comes in and we spend the whole night trying to find where that flea is in the bed and trying to kill that flea you know so so we know who we are and we know where we are in dependency and need um but we don't want to we don't want to recognize that and it's this, this is, a, I think, a problem of a lot of the problems that we see today, maybe more than Ibn Arabi's time, is this un unwillingness to accept our dependency, our need, and that we are not God and we're not as great as we think we are. So, but I'll be looking for that GMO idea. I'm still looking for that. Can I just add something to you there, um, Ben Shweb? Is um, if you go to the back right to the beginning of ge genetic engineering it was um it wasn't it, what they did was uh, the first genetically engineered product was actually insulin for people with diabetes and a lot of people are killed by it and a lot of the science has been covered up um before that and i'm lucky to still be alive 
alhamdulillah, um, but we used animal insulin and some of us still have access to it. So I'm very grateful to pigs. <laughs> sure, um, thank you for your wonderful lecture. Um, just to ask a question to follow up um, your last point about the, um, that kind of problem to unwillingness to accept and the problems in the world. Uh, how does Ibn Arabi, uh, does he talk about it in relationship to, to darkness? Do we have any uh, opening or kind of or closure of darkness? Um, well, yeah, as I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this before the, the, for him, uh, goodness is essential and being full and, and badness is correlation. And so, uh, it has no, it has no independent reality. So, so the evil, bad, good, uh, evil, bad has no independent reality or independent, um, existence. And so the so the way it we see it is by being correlated to things so when i do something if that correlation is to um is to the bad then it's attributed to to me and i say that's a bad thing um but the the doing itself isn't anything that was bad so it depends on how it's correlated so we see that if if i do something if i if i say something to someone uh, and and it's a good thing, then that's good. And I say, you know, thank God that I was able to say that thing. Um, if I say something that's hurtful, that's me, and it's correlated to bad. It's not correlated to God because it's not something that exists by itself or that has its own independent existence. Um, and so, looking at that, so the same. So Ibn Arabi then is is training us to see um, the the reason that we there there is a law is and there is now he says that the animals they have their own salat and they have their taklif they have their own things that they have to do and they have their own sharia they have their own laws and all of that's there but they obey their laws and we don't and so and this is why when you look at an animal or a plant or a mineral it's not when a plant grows up it's not a bad thing you know it's a good thing it's because it's growing and it's up now that plant or the root might grow up and then and then push over something else and that's that could be a bad thing but it's not the plant's fault it's not the root's fault um and so if we if we look at it we if we can look at it from that perspective that from what is the essential goodness of everything and then what do we attribute as bad then this changes the way we, we approach things. And it also allows us to be non-judgmental to other human beings because we can say the person did this and we can see the essential good of every action, but as it was turned because the correlation went not to God, but to the bad or to themselves. Thank you. Shall I one more one more question or comment? Yes. About to being about to be enslaved. The last thing we say in the Salat is Ashadun Laila, Ashadun Muhammad and Abduhu Rasulhu. We don't just say the Ashadun Muhammad and Rasulullah. Abduhu comes first. Is that the whole indication, the state of humanity in a way, or state of all being? Since Prophet is the state of being, the mirror for him. Yeah, no, this is so beautiful. And, and when Ibn Arabi talks about, the, about love, he says, when you love, 
um, whatever name your beloved calls you by, you say, here I am. And so he says, so what happened with, with Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He said that he, they asked him, who do you love and what's your name? And he says, you know, I love God and my name is slave of God, Abdullah. And so the slave of God, that's, I have no other personality or characteristic, but slave of God. That is, I am for my beloved. And there is no other you know, personality or thing that I carry except being the one who loves uh, God. And, and, and so, and that, and God is your beloved. So this, this, this is what there, and then, and then Ibn Arabi turns it around and says, so then, and when you are beloved, whatever name you call out to uh, the one who loves you, they say yes. And so when you say to God, Allah, then Allah says, here I am. And when you say Khuda, he says, here I am. And when you say, Riyadur, say, here I am. So whatever name you call out to, uh, if you're in this love and beloved situation, then uh, your beloved answers, here I am. Wow. And yeah, this is only so because, uh, because in the, we always, Labek, you know, I, here I am at your service. We say that during the Hajj. And it's like, here I am at your service. And Ibn Arabi keeps the way, every time he's talking about it, it's God saying, Labek, here I am at your service. Here I am for you because I love you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because in the Azam, we call Ashadun Muhammad and Rasulullah in the Salat, which is the last stage before we say Abduhu. And, and that's, that's very right. interesting. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's so important. That's, and, and we just, and that's our, that's our model that he is as he came from his mother. See, after you are born, you gain all these other characteristics and personalities and knowledge and, and abilities and skills and arts and all these kinds of things. Uh, but to be ummi, to be mother based, as you come from your mother, that's a very different uh, situation. Yeah. About the anger, whatever we make or things, when they don't fit or out of place, they rattle or make noises and all that. In a way, the whole violence comes from our denial of that being the servant. That's what causes the whole violence on the earth. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rattling around. It's not that the things that are, the actions are, and, the, and the people and the actions of the things are not bad, but they're not in the right place. And, and hikmah and Hakim, Hikmah is putting the right thing in the right place. And Zulm, oppression, is putting something in the wrong place. And so it's the same thing and it's the same place, but one of them is wise and the other is oppressive. And, and in the Quran, it's oppressive to yourselves. Those who are oppressive to themselves, they're hurting their own selves. So as, as Rahmani was saying, you know, they're hurting other people, they're hurting animals, they're hurting plants, and they're hurting their own selves. They're oppressive to their own selves. Um, and this is, it's, the thing is not bad and the place is not bad, but the wrong thing in the wrong place, that's where, that's where uh, Zulm comes in. And the right thing in the right place, that's where Hikmah comes in. So then, in a way, we don't realize the, what's the do or the hack for everything. Realization of that comes from really accepting the servanthood. In that, we realize what's the hack for everything. And in that, everything works accordingly, in a way. Is that true? You could say that? Yeah. In that one passage, Ibn Arabi talks about, he, he, that's, and that's the special faith. That's our, our theme for today, the special faith. The, to, to under, the special faith is faith is 
special face is where you learn what is the appropriate place for each thing. What is the hub? What is the right and the rightful place for each thing? And Ibn Arabi says that when he when he heard the hadith from Abu Bakr that that he I I see nothing but I see God in front of it. Um, and he said I had no idea what that meant, and I and I and I ignored it until one day from the special faith, God said, this is what this means. And now I understand it. I understand it not from Abu Bakr, but from the special face. And so, and so to be in a state where you can find out how things really are, that's the special face. And then thankfulness, because we do say in law that you thank, thank me and thank your parents. And, and the Prophet said, no one is thankful who isn't thankful to other people. But to see that when you're thinking, you're also seeing that there's only coming from one source. That is the special face that says there could be all these ropes pulling up this bucket, but it's God who's pulling this bucket up to give water to me, which I therefore am mindful of. And so that's the special face that allows me to see who to be thankful to. So in a very special face, and what is due or hack to everything, you could say they are synonymous or the same. I can't hear you. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so interesting in trying to translate Huck in for Ibn Arabi. Huck is true, so it's the true place and the true thing. But also Huck is the right that is rightfully due. So I end up doing these long words like rightfully due because you got to have the right in there, but also rightfully due yeah. and deserve. Yeah. So it's both. And so Huck, the truth of anything is what it deserves. And that's back to the cow saying, I was not created for to be loaded up like this. So to know what I'm created for, and so I'm created to worship God, to know that is to be rightful for God and rightful to me. In other words, I'm harming and oppressing myself if I don't know why I was created. And I'm okay. flashing around and splashing and doing all this stuff because it's flailing about because I don't know why I was created. So if I know why I was created, the huck is I give God God's due as to be worshiped and I give myself and my body the due that I am a worshiper, I'm a worshiping slave. Thank you so much. Very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you very much. It's so good to see everyone. And I've got lots of notes from the chats, which I'll look at and, and absorb over the week. And, and thank you so much for your interactions and, and for being here. And so, alhamdulillah. So, bye.